0: Well, hello everyone, welcome to Parallel Church and part five of our series, Minecraft. And I wonder how many of us sometimes feel like we're made of glass or made of paper and with the right gust of wind, we just, everything just crashes down (laughs) all around us. And maybe you identify with that, or maybe, I think, let's be honest, I think all of us, probably identify with that, especially over after the last couple of years, where so much uncertainty and so much upheaval and so much disruption in life can make all of us, even the strongest of us, feel a lot more vulnerable than we have been. Statistics show that just in the last year alone in Canada, there's been 1.9 million more Canadians who have have confessed to having mental health struggles, either struggles with uh, depression or uh, unusual anxieties or PTSD or something like that. And so with this kind of thing, and I I honestly think they say one in four Canadians is struggling with that. That means one in four of us in this room are struggling with some sort of mental health struggle. And I honestly think that that number is probably a little low, especially after everything that we've been through in the last couple years, that whether or not we can say, well, I've tipped off the scale into mentally unhealthy, we can all say we feel a little bit emotionally more vulnerable, mentally a little bit more vulnerable than we have been, which is why we're taking on this series, Mindcraft, because the Bible talks a lot. It might be surprising, but it talks a lot about our mental health, our emotional health, our heart Health. In fact, let me show you another verse. It's Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians verse ten, and I, I gotta warn you that Paul wrote this two thousand years ago. He didn't write that this 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 week. Just making sure we're clear on that. He wrote this not in response to society today, but he wrote this two thousand years ago. Look, look at he said this: "The world is unprincipled. It's dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair." That wasn't written this week. That was written 2,000 years ago. In other words, the world hasn't changed much, huh? Like, it's still a crazy world that we live in. In fact, historians would say that, that Paul most likely wrote these verses of this verse. He wrote this verse from prison cell. Where he was he was living in, uh, in, spent most of the last years of his life in prison, being beaten or flogged or, or all these, you know, shipwrecked. I mean, he, snake-bitten. I mean, he he's, didn't have the most comfortable life. And yet he writes this to the church in Corinth, and he says, yeah, the the world's unprincipled. And they're like, you think? In a time where if you were to become a Christian, it probably was, most likely a death sentence within you know, two to three to five years that you would be arrested and, and, and killed or imprisoned or some sort of disruption would be going on. And, and he's writing, you know, the world is unprincipled. Yeah, it's dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. <laughs> no wonder we struggle with mental health. Because the world doesn't fight Fair. Culture isn't fair. He goes on, he says this, but we, talking about the church, talking about us Christians, don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. And then he says, the tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entirely massive corrupt culture. Wait. Wait. We as the church, we don't fight our battles the same way as as culture does. And then he says, we have tools, tools of the trade, of our trade. We have tools. Listen, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we're going to use this analogy throughout this whole message. But you have, and I said this last week. We as Christians have an unfair advantage. And the unfair advantage is that we have a toolbox full of tools to, to solve every problem that we will ever face. That's what's amazing. We have it. When you became born again, anybody you prayed the prayer to become born again, anybody have your problems all of a sudden magically disappear? You've never had a problem since? Any, anybody want to no. no. That's not what happens upon salvation. Like, your problems don't suddenly disappear and everything's all better and it's a, it's a magic pill you t- took and everything just, life just became easy. That's not what Christianity's all about. But what you did get when you became born again, this is the unfair advantage, is you got a toolbox, according to Paul, a toolbox full of tools that is meant for demolishing the entire massively corrupt culture. I think it's time for us to take our job back. As a church now, before we passionately say, yes, we're supposed to stand up to the world. Wait, 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 wait. Paul goes on. What is this demolishing all about? What, do you, what is it all about? Look at he says this. We use our powerful, these aren't wimpy tools, our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies. Any anybody notice any warped philosophies anywhere? <laughs> Tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. Anybody seen any barriers against the truth of God? Yeah. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of the life shaped by Jesus. Now, Now watch. I want you to see something here. We automatically assume that when we read this, that we're, you know, the, we're supposed to, as Christians, okay, we, we've got a mandate, we've got a toolbox, we've got tools that are powerful, that are meant to smash and demolish culture. No, 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 wait. He goes, he says, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into, no, wait, every loose thought. That's not the world's thought. That's my thought. Every Emotion. That's not the culture's emotion. That's my emotion. Every impulse. That's not their impulses. That's my impulses. Just I was, we'll see this in a second. Some of you might under you know know this verse from another translation, King James, most likely if you're if you're church at all. You've probably heard this or quoted this many times. This is what it says, verse 5 in the King James. It says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay, so let me break this verse down for you. Casting down imaginations. What Paul says is that it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. Culture is 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 corrupt. It there's it's always it's been that way. It's it's naturally that way. But here's what he says: because culture is like that, and because we live in culture, and that we're not isolated from culture, the tendency is that culture rubs off on us. And the tendency is is that the negativity and and the the loose thinking and the emotions all that that are natural all around us become and permeate us and that what happens is is we end up having negative thoughts anybody we've been going through this series anybody notice some negative thinking you know some thoughts of fear some thoughts of i can't the thoughts of of i won't the thoughts of 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 uh, you know negativity that just kind of permeates our thoughts what paul says here Is that you can't always stop the thoughts, the negative thoughts, the bad thoughts, you can't stop them from entering your mind. You can influence based on what you input, you can influence what gets, you know, comes into your mind. For instance, if you, constantly feast on negativity, guess what? You're most likely to think negative. If you feast on fear, guess what? You're going to battle with thoughts of fear. So you can influence what goes on, but you can't control the thoughts that enter your mind. And no matter how hard you try, there are all of us, we're human beings, are going to battle some negative thoughts that come, fear thoughts that come, you know, a lack of faith thoughts that come. We're going to have those thoughts permeate our mind. And Paul's not saying stop those thoughts from happening. He says, he says when those imaginations, those thoughts come, he says cast them down. So let me use the, the analogy of what, what he's saying. He says, cast down these imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge. That's, we've been talking about this. The knowledge of God. Know, the knowing of God. Anything that pushes down or stops the knowing of God, he says, cast that down. And then bring into captivity every thought. So that when that negative thought comes, you take it captive. So here's what he's saying. Paul's saying is that when you have an imagination that exalts itself, so your negative thinking, your fear thinking, and you begin to meditate on your problems and your fear and your can'ts and your won'ts, all the rest of it, and it begins, the more you focus on it, the more you give power to it, and it begins to exalt itself above your faith in God. This happens to all of us. And so Paul says, you can't stop that negativity to come in there. But what you can do is you can push it down. And you can, you can bring it down to a lower level. Exalt it's, it's trying to exalt itself above your knowing of God and your faith of God. You need to push that down. And exalt, at the same time, exalt God above. Which is what we've been talking about in this entire series. In fact, we talked about in this series, how we pray is often... Doing the opposite of what we intended to do. That when we pray our problems, and the more we talk about our problems, the more we exalt those problems and those thoughts. So if your prayer time is all about, God, here's my problems, and you're giving him your laundry list of things you want him to clean up, and your grocery list of things you want him to supply your your wants, and your Christmas wish list book of all the stuff you want him to do, and you focus on all the things you don't have, and all the things you want him to fix, guess what? The more you focus on it, the more you empower it. And you're actually not feeding faith, you're feeding fear. He says, but instead, Jesus said this, but instead when you pray, he says, pray this way, our our Father who art in heaven, reveal yourself to me. And he says, and as you pray this way, your focus will shift from you and your problems to God. So what Paul says here is get your focus. Don't don't worry about the thoughts that come, but just when you recognize a thought that is opposite of the knowledge of what you know of God, you push it down. You bring it down. You cast it down so that God gets higher. How do you do that? Well, Jesus taught us when the devil tempted him, the devil came to him and said, hey, you're hungry? Turn this bread into, into stone. And Jesus like, Jesus responded with, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. In other words, Jesus took that temptation, that thought, and says, I'm going to lower it to what, below my wants and my desires, I'm going to lower it below what I know of my God. And I'm going to exalt him. And so when the devil tempts him and says, throw yourself down, he says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. My father said, in other words, he lowered that thought, didn't stop the devil from coming, lowered that thought and exalted God higher. Which is what we've been saying in this entire series, exalt God. This is why we worship, by the way, is we worship because we elevate God above the negativity of what culture is permeating with you all week long, that's why we start our services and saying, Hey, let's put things in the right order in the right place. Because all of us go through weeks. All of us have struggles. All of us have, have battles that come that it's easy for us to begin to focus on what we don't have, what we don't, you know, what is not happening, what we want more, what's, what we're lacking. It's easy to focus on that. And then we come into a place of worship and we remember that our God, my God, is still. In control, and all of a sudden you're seeing a shift, and that my fear can't overcome with your love. That your love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And you remember, there's now all of a sudden there's a shift, and you start to feel it. And Jesus said this: when you pray properly, you'll s- sense a shift from you in your situations to God. And then Paul says, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus how do you do that you arrest every thought you take that thought and you say and you arrest it and you, you begin you say that is not the truth and what Jesus said is the truth so here's an example when you have this sense of I can't I can't do that I'm not good at that I'm, I can't I, I won't and I, 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 that's not me and I can't and I, all these things anybody ever get trapped in that cycle we all do by the way I can't, I can't. You take, you ca- take that thought captive and saying, that's not the truth. What is the truth is I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. That's what he said. That's what the word says. That's the truth. I take that I can't thing captive. You're going, well, I'm afraid or I'm, I'm fearful. You, you, you got thoughts of fear. And then all of a sudden you, you, begin, you take that thought captive and saying, I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. See, we often, we forget sometimes that when we read the Bible, we elevate these biblical characters to to places other than Jesus, to places that they're not. All of them are human. And Paul is writing to Pastor Timothy saying, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but you've been given a sound mind full of love and power. What is he doing? He's taking captive the fear thoughts, the timid thoughts, And he's replacing it because that's exalted above God. And he's saying, no, 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 this is who God says you are. This is why it's so important you know the Bible. Because the Bible tells you who you are. And the Bible, most of all, tells you who your God is. And if you can understand who your God is, then all of a sudden you can do what Paul's saying and you can cast down these thoughts and these imaginations. And this is the tools in the toolbox that he's talking about is we have the unfair advantage of an amazing, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-caring, all-loving God. That we can, we can have the opportunity that, that we can't stop the negativity, the thoughts, the anxieties, the fears. But we can cast them down and say, my God is bigger. We can, cast, we, can, we can take them captive and saying, that's not the truth, this is the truth. And Paul goes on. He says this in verse 6 in 2 Corinthians. He says, Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Watch. I love this. Our tools are at hand. Let me be very blunt, church. When you became born again and you said, Jesus is Lord, you were given the toolbox full of powerful tools at your disposal. But the choice is yours as to whether you open the toolbox. You have to choose, they're at hand, but you have to choose to use them. We can get so adjusted to our culture, so adjusted to what circumstances, that we, we, can, get, we can so easily fit into everything around us that we can get trapped in just being human again. And we forget That we've been given this toolbox, full of power to do what—to clear the ground of every obstruction. I I love that because we've learned in this series that that we've been—you know—how we think is often, you know, used as a as a fence line, and that our fence line. Paul, uh, uh, sorry, Solomon said this in Proverbs. He says. Above all else, guard your heart, Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. That word flows from it in the original Hebrew says, everything you do will build a border or a barrier or a fence line around your life. And God, we learn this from the children of Israel in, in Numbers you know, 13 where the children of Israel didn't enter the promised land because they said, we can't and, and you know, we're not able. And God says, I will do to you everything that you say. That's what he says in Numbers 14, verse 20. Terri- terrifying, terrifying verse. But we realize that we can build a fence line in our life. And yet, and yet here Paul is saying we have tools ready at hand to clear the ground of every fence line, of every obstruction, of everything. And build lives into the obedient, uh, you know, of, of obedience into maturity, which is into fullness that we can step and that's my prayer for you in 2022 is that we're going to step into fullness of who we were created to be that we're not going to live less than what God designed us to live and to live for and to live we're going to doesn't matter what society does we're not we're not slaves to that we are sons and daughters of the king of kings and we've been given a toolbox. Now, what, what are the tools? Paul told us some of them in Romans chapter 12. It's amazing how often Paul talks about mental health and what, how we think. He talked about it to the church in Corinth. And here he talks about it to the church in Rome. And this is what he says, Romans 12 verse 1. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Okay, Paul, what are you, what are you talking about? Paul says this. He says, here, he's setting this up. He says, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to live with you know, a God box and the rest of life box. He says, I want you to insert God into your ordinary life your everyday life because and and this is This is true back then when he wrote it 2,000 years ago to the church in Rome, but this is especially true for us in the Western world, that we as Christians, it's so easy for us to slip into our Christian life, our God life, that just happens to be on Sundays for an hour in church, and that's our God life, that's our God time, and then we go back to our ordinary life, our, our going to work, our eating, our sleeping, our walking around, and we may or may not... Talk to God or invite God in or be a part of this. And Paul says, here's what I want you to do. God helping, here's what I want you to do. I want you to insert God into your everyday life, into your ordinary life. That there's no separation between your God relationship and all your other relationships that bring God into all. Why? Well, he tells us, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Then he says, Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. In other words, you don't insert God into your ordinary life. It's easier to get so well adjusted to the culture that you, you begin to think like the culture. You begin to act like the culture. You have this, the emotions of the culture, which he said in Corinthians, he said is, is dog eat dog, negative, you know, not like, he says, you can get so well adjusted because, you, and part of it is because you haven't inserted God there. Then he says, instead, fix your attention on God. And you'll be changed from the inside out. So what he's saying is, he says, and we've been learning this. This is basically the theme of the entire series. You, you, you getting it yet? That in order for us to be, live our best lives, our healthiest lives, mental health, all the rest of it, is that we need to pray, God, reveal yourself to me. That we need to, we need to praise and exalt God above That we need to fix our attention on God. If there's one thing you want to pray in 2022 is, God, reveal yourself to me. I want to not just know about you. I want to know you. And here Paul says, fix your attention on God. Where? In your everyday. Don't just fix your attention on God in your church life and in in that Christian part of your life and all the rest of it, in your devotion time and just church time. Fix your attention on God in all of your life. And what's gonna happen is you're gonna be changed from the inside out. And then guess what happens? When you get changed from the inside, all of a sudden you begin to influence the outside. And then he goes on and he says, readily recognize what he, what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in fullness in you. The unfair advantage, the toolbox. God brings out the best in you. God brings out the best in you. So my challenge is, for you, is God, reveal yourself to me and, and bring God into your business decisions, your home decisions. Involve God, bring God into that. He'll bring out the best in you. Paul also said this in, in the, to the church in Philippi. He said this, similar type things in Philippians 4. He said this, celebrate God all day, every day. Celebrate God all day, every day. Don't just celebrate God Sundays. Don't just celebrate God at home. Celebrate God all day, every day. And I'm not saying go be weird about it. Right? I'm not saying at work all of a sudden, praise you, Jesus. I mean, if that comes on you, like, (laughs) God bless you. But I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that where where you focus, if you bring focus to God and you're celebrating God and you're thanking God and you're, God, reveal yourself to me. Just involve him, ask him, celebrate him privately, but ask him and get him involved in your everyday, ordinary life decisions. And then he says this, celebrate him all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. God, who are you? Revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all that you meet that you're a crazy Christian. That's not what he said. (laughs) He says, make it as clear as you can to all you meet. Once you revel in God, once you celebrate God, once you see who, who God really is and reveal all this, make it clear to everyone you meet that you're on God's side. No, no, that you're on their side. Working with them and not against them. Which, look at this, this is the same Paul wrote this. When he's saying stand up and demolish culture, he's talking about stand up and demolish demolish culture that's in you. And then once you get that demolished in you, then stand up and walk with everyone you meet. That kind of sounds like parallel church to me, doesn't it? Walk with them. So he's not saying stand up. And against them, because they're the world. That's been taught to us for too long. They're the world. Stand up against them. No, no, no. He says, once you understand, stand up against that thinking, that that mentality, that that permeated culture stuff inside of you. Focus on you. Demolish that thinking in you. And then get close enough to God that when you get close enough to God, you're going to walk with people. How can I walk with them? They're, they're lost. They're the, yeah, but guess what? But you walk with them. And as you walk with them, all of a sudden you have a peace that passes all understanding. You have a joy that is strength. And they're looking and a hope that is an anchor. And they're looking at you and going, Where do you get your joy from? Where do you, where do you get that? Well, how come you're so peaceful? How come you're not worried? Because I got an unfair advantage. You do? Yeah, I got a toolbox full of tools that helps, just helps me. What, what is it? His name is Jesus. I don't know how you go through life without the hope that is Jesus. I don't know. Paul goes on, he says this, don't fret or worry. <laughs> it's just, Thanks, Paul. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not like, hey, try not to. He's just like, just, just don't. That's kind of like having me stand up to a, at a chalkboard and, 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 and my math teacher saying, you know, giving me some complex thing and says, solve it. I'll try, no, solve it. <laughs> Math was always not good. <laughs> but he just says, don't worry. Okay, okay, easier said than done, Paul. How, how do I not worry? He says, this is how. He says, instead of worrying, pray. But don't pray your problems, because that's going to feed your worry. Pray. God, reveal yourself to me. And then he says, let petitions and praises, praises what? Exalting God above. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And the result is before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness Everything coming together for for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ, when Jesus displaces worry at the center of your life. It's wonderful what happens when Jesus displaces worry at the center of your life. It's wonderful what happens when Jesus displaces worry at the center of your life. That means that there's worry at the center of our life, but worry's going to be there. I'm, I, I, worry's not going to go away. But I need to displace it to, with Jesus. And it's not easy to do, but according to Paul, everything that we learned, I got to cast down those imaginations, that worry, push it down, and exalt God above. That I need to not get so well adjusted to my culture that I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, well, everybody else is worried too, and we, all, we should all worry about this. Let, let culture worry about that. I'm going to push that down. I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to bring God into my everyday, ordinary life. I'm going to focus on him. And if I do that, it's wonderful what happens when Jesus begins to displace worry in my life. Can you imagine living worry-free in 2022. This whole series is just saying, make Jesus the center. Let's just get to know him, not just about him. Let's not just attend church. Let's get to know him. Because if we get to know him, we can displace worry. And then he says this, Paul says this, summing it all up, friends. I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, Noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. What if this was the, 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 the recipe for how you handle social media? Mm. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> the best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Huh. Huh. It's all about where you choose to focus. See, the pattern of this world, the dog-eat-dog culture of this this world, is to focus on the negative. Anybody watch the news? (laughs) God bless you. Anybody on social media? Would you say the pattern of this world is to focus on the negative? For that's not us. We instead choose to meditate on and focus on. Meditate. That's where, we, that's where you choose to focus. Meditate on things that are true. Noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise in other people, not things to curse. Whew. We're not supposed to conform to the negative, but instead cast down those thoughts and rejoice with the positive and meditate and choose to park on that. And how do we do that? We choose to focus on Jesus. Here's today's takeaway. I don't know if you've ever heard me say this before, but what you focus on, you give power to. So here's my challenge. What if this week we replaced our negative inputs with positive ones? What if, just, just here's the challenge. What if this week, if you're a news watcher, turn it off, just for this week, just turn it off but there's so much going on. Just turn it off for, for one week. And if you're on social media and you got negative influence on social media, what if for one week we just turned it off? What if? And instead, what if we replace that time, that thing with, with focusing on, on God in some way, right? whether it's reading your Bible, whether it's praise and worship music, find something to replace it with just for one week and see what happens. Because what you focus on, you'll give power to. And if you're battling with anxieties, and you're battling with worries, and you're battling with fears, just choose to meditate on what is true. And what is true is I've, been, I've not been given a spirit of fear. What is true is I can do all things through Christ. And focus on that. What if? what if in our prayer time we instead of giving god our list he knows what you need anyway that's what jesus said what if we just said reveal yourself to me i want to see you another side of you i haven't seen before i want to see you i want to know you what if let's pray god i thank you that you didn't just create us and put us on the planet Without instructions of how to thrive here. You gave us tools in a toolbox that are powerful, that we can access at any time to overcome all that the world throws at us. And God, I pray, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're our helper, that you're you're with us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, this week that you Help us with those tools. Point us to that direction. Give us a sense of your help, that hope that this week we sense peace, joy, hope. In Jesus' name.
1: Paul says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to run through a prayer with you guys right now that does exactly that. It's not joining a religion. It's not joining a church. Uh, it's simply just a relationship with God. So uh, if you guys would like, you can close your eyes, bow your heads, and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God, and I believe that That you rose again from the dead and i ask you now to become my lord to become my savior to become my friend i thank you that my past is past and that i can begin anew with you today my heart is yours in jesus name Amen, amen. So guys, if you said that prayer for the first time, there's a link that has just been posted in the chat there. You can click on that link, fill out that form. We'd love to send you a Bible. Love to congratulate you on this amazing, amazing decision. And love to just be a part of your journey, just kind of the start of it. if that. Uh, and yeah, go from there.